1: Hello, I am Jesper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 80 of the Am Writing Mm -hmm. Fantasy Podcast. Story ideas. Some of the questions often asked are how do I get ideas? How do I turn the idea into something which can serve as a starting point for my novel? And How do I know if my idea is good enough? And I I cannot promise that we will answer all of those in full here now, but we will definitely try to tackle this topic about story ideas as best as we can.
2: Yes, I I think some of those could be a topic and a half all on their own. But this is a fun one. I'm looking forward to this one because I'm definitely one of those people who I can almost always come up with an idea. So this will be a fun one to get to share some of that with people. Yeah, five, and and think about it. It's episode eighty. Order. I know, isn't that right. amazing? Exciting! It really is exciting. It seems, seems like we just started this, but I guess it's been eighty episodes, <laughs> which means it's been so. eighty weeks. That's oh my god! Yes, <laughs> now I feel old. No.
1: I it's, can't even I can't even make the math on that. That's
2: incredible. Yeah. Well yeah, I, I was gonna say I could look up I thought I knew how many weeks in a year, but well, let's not worry. That's not we're not here for math. We're here to write. No, so let's indeed. do that. <laughs> but we are getting closer
1: to a hundred episodes, so I'm thinking we should do something special there. And we should. Uh, Maybe maybe we could ask listeners if they have any good ideas. And if they do, then uh, let, let's place a link in the show notes where okay. people can email us from. And then if they have some good ideas about what they would like us to do for episode number 100, then they can send us an email and uh, give us some ideas.
2: Sounds I think it excellent. should be something
1: special. I think yeah. so
2: too, and I think that's a fantastic idea to get some feedback from listeners what they'd like to see as a special 100th episode. It's only 20 episodes away. It is, yes, indeed, and uh, I-, I was sort of thinking that maybe we could do it like a "Ask Us Anything
1: You Want" episode. Ooh.
2: So that that could be an idea. That could be an idea. So that'd be a, again a, something to ask readers, if th- listeners, if that's what you want, you'd have to be sending in your your questions. So that sounds good. Yeah, indeed. That's also
1: why I want to get started a bit early on it here, because if if that is what we're going to do, we need to build up enough questions. So we need to <laughs> remind people ongoing for a while uh, to uh, to send us questions. So that's, but I don't know if, that, if that's something people want to do or maybe yeah. somebody will have a better idea, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes from where you can email to us and then um, let us know if you have any good ideas or you can also just let us know if you think Ask Us Anything is a good idea as well, then that would be, that would be interesting. And you could hear about the time where I had to put my hand on a fiber optic cable full of power, not knowing if it would kill me or not.
2: So that's, <laughs> a, that's
1: something you could ask me about in that episode if you want, and then I can tell you the story.
2: That sounds interesting. I could certainly tell some of my stories of living on the road in an SUV while traveling across the country. So there's lots of stories I think we could share. I'm curious about your fiber optic cable myself now. (laughs) Obviously, you're still alive. So that's a good sign.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a telltale there. (laughs) It's not a good story then. But
2: uh, Well, I I can
1: tell the story if if somebody... um, sends uh, an email there and says, yeah, we would like a Q&A. And then, um, yeah, just uh, tell me to tell their story, and I will. So you can ask us anything that's an idea. I don't know if it's going to fly or not, but, uh, yeah, let us know at least.
2: Sounds good. So otherwise, how are things on your side of the Atlantic? Well, it's uh, actually pretty good, I would say. Uh,
1: at the point of this recording, of course, uh, we are pre-recording a bit. We're really trying to build up the release of enough episodes so that we have enough episodes in the bank before we go on summer holidays. Yes. So that means that we are right now recording in the beginning of June, even though you're going to listen to it later. And I said that because what I'm about to say doesn't really maybe <laughs> make sense when you're listening to, the, to it in July. Um, so, but I actually went to the cinema over the weekend.
2: Oh yeah, that was wow. A, a you were strange outside, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. The 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 cinemas here has opened after COVID nineteen again. So it was a bit weird being out and about like that again, but at the same time. It also sort of felt just normal, wow. <laughs> almost at least. I mean, there, there was no <laughs> self-service in with the popcorns in the cinema. Oh, okay. And there was also like an empty chair between you and every stranger. <laughs> but... Other, other than that, then it felt quite normal. And the empty chair, as an introvert, I'm pretty happy with that anyway. Yeah, so that's that nice. was fine with me.
2: <laughs> I, was say, I think I usually aim for that anyway. So that's great. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so now you have forced empty chair. That was quite oh, nice.
2: <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, that's actually really cool to have some kind of normality back in the world. So I'm hoping when this is released, the world is more normal then? even that
1: yeah that, that was why i prefaced it uh, in terms of the timing because maybe maybe going to the cinema will be, be perfectly normal fingers crossed when you listen <laughs> yeah. to this but or maybe it won't i don't know but uh but speaking of opening up backup up society as well i also received an email from the national soccer association last oh, week
2: yeah and they You're were asking
1: yeah they were asking me about my availability to to Referee some matches on this side of summer vacation. So that was pretty exciting.
2: Excellent. That sounds really exciting. And it'll be good. Get get out there again.
1: Yeah, I'm looking so much forward. I mean, of course, there will be some COVID-19 restrictions. So, you know, no handshakes and I'm not supposed to touch the ball and stuff like that. So there'll be some special things we need to (laughs) be mindful about. But other than that, we are opening back up. So we're allowed to start playing matches again. So... But I don't know if the if the National <laughs> Association has been a bit too optimistic because they've basically told, so it's it's supposed to start playing matches from next week and then the two weeks following that, and then the summer vacation. So three weeks of matches. And they have said to every single club that you can play three matches within those three weeks. So, of course, because there's been lockdown for so long, almost every single club will want to play three matches. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to be... I mean, I don't know if they're too ambitious, but the demand on referees will go through the roof in yeah. these three weeks. I mean, everybody needs a ref all of a sudden. Oh,
2: that's so funny. I
1: think I'm gonna I'm gonna referee a lot of matches. <laughs> you look at
2: week. your exercise in for sure. Oh
1: jeez, I'm probably gonna be sore when I when I get to summer vacation I can't walk anymore. Or
2: something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need a hammock, some trees, yeah. I'm good, <laughs> bring me a drink. Oh it's funny. Uh, but how about you then? Oh well, the United States, so this is early June um that we're recording and it's just I don't know where where we'll be in July. I don't I really don't know. I, for one of the first times in my life I don't know what I'm watching and I can't believe this is happening in my country where I've grown up and spent yeah, so true. much of my life. So it's uh it's very uncertain and I always used to joke half joke, half seriously that if things get bad, I was just going to go to Canada, but the borders closed because of COVID. Um, but it is tough. Like my parents, I was really, I was so close. I had agreed with my mom that I was going to wait for strawberry season. I, Again, if, if you don't know much about me, if you're just listening in, food is love in my family. It's been that way since I was a little kid. That's how my parents, that's how my mom shows how much she loves you by cooking you like so much food it's going to kill you. But it's so yeah. good. So good. So I had agreed. She has wonderful strawberries. I mean, she lives in the burbs now. We I grew up on 10 acres. Uh, my neighbors were Amish. We were in the countryside. We had this huge garden. Well, my mom still has the only garden in the burbs. And she cans like 30 some quarts of, sh- of tomatoes out of it every summer. It's hilarious. But she also has amazing strawberries. And I had agreed I'd come down during strawberry season. Well, it's strawberry season. And they're so big and she's quick picking like four quarts every other day and um we talked about it and both my parents are immune compromised so i just finally said it's an 8 hour drive covid is a peaking back up in other states i have to go through three or four states just to get there it's 8 hours i had to stop for gas two three times i just don't want to be the cause of you getting sick Or what's worse, her sister is guilting her into like, "Well, you let your daughter come stay. We want to come over for dinner because everyone wants to go to my mom's house. It's an awesome house. She's an awesome cook. She's our great host. So I'm like, I can't deal with the guilt of everyone then else, you know, twisting the screws saying I want to come over because you let your daughter come. So we regretfully said she'll freeze some strawberries and hopefully soon I'll make it down to Pennsylvania what i'm thinking yeah, of
1: 50 is more
0: important at the it end is of the day. it is a week on the internet with the am writing fantasy podcast
1: so a huge shout out and thank you to james brown who joined Woo-hoo. us on patreon
2: Yes, we're so happy to welcome you, and by the time you're listening to this, you have received your bookmark, but as of today, I only just got your email address, or your actual physical address, and I will be sending that out to you probably tomorrow. Yeah, it, it really makes a difference for us in well
1: justifying the, the time that we spent to record these podcast episodes, which, by the way, we love recording these episodes for you, but it is also a big uh, time investment, so a few dollars or just a single dollar a month to show that you appreciate what we try to do for you here and get something <laughs> out of it that really means a lot to us so thank you again uh, James for your support
2: absolutely we're so happy to welcome you and it's so funny that uh, you know it's just great to see patreon growing and the comments and the feedback that we get there it's it's fun to spend time almost as much fun as the am writing fantasy group but nah, you know there's a few more people in there too
1: yeah yeah it, it's it's a growing thing it but is. uh if you're a dear listener want to check out patreon 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 i don't know how to <laughs> it but uh, <laughs> we're a professional podcast here apparently <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a, a link in the show notes so uh, we make it worth your while too and we try to offer a whole range of exclusive patreon benefits for you so as i said go at least to check it out if you
2: want. Yes. I think it's sort of like tomatoes and tomatoes. You know, we just have different pronunciations. I, I don't know. I people say Patreon, and then others say Patreon, Patreon. And
1: I think I say Patreon. I have no idea yeah. what, how to say it.
2: You know, that's the fun thing about you know. You think of that with characters and reading names. I, I think it's so funny. I get so, one way stuck in my head, then I hear someone else say a character's name. I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess you could say yeah. it that way too. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter.
1: Do you think it's something to do with U.S. versus U.K. Oh, English, definitely,
2: probably. I, I, it took me forever when I was in the U.K. to get used to how they pronounce my name, my name over there, because in the United States it's autumn, but over there it's mm-hmm. autumn, and it sounds autumn. so autumn, yes, it's autumn, <laughs> <laughs> totally different. <laughs> they don't sound anything the same to me, but I, no. I did eventually start replying to my name. I did I probably thought I was snutty at first because I never responded.
1: Well, yeah, you, you, well, you can start being selective then, right? Oh, that's I mean, true. It's only sometimes you want to reply. It depends on what they say.
2: Oh, well, you have to remember, <laughs> I am now officially half-deaf, so I, I do have that ace in my pocket if I feel like ignoring someone. No, <laughs> my yeah. husband, no. Uh, <laughs> but I was going to say, I wanted to, to do a shout-out to Mary Van Everbrook, who mm-hmm. she has sent a lovely email saying how much she re- enjoyed the podcast that we released Recently on character development. So, or she's in the character ve- development course, but she really enjoyed the 10 traits of heroes podcast. So, you know, however, we hear from you, that was just an email. So, it's so wonderful getting feedbacks, you know, but leaving reviews, uh, leaving comments on the podcasts, we we do scan for those. So it's always wonderful to find a new review, to find a new comment and find out someone else has really enjoyed something we've put out there. That's just, again, it makes it feel worthwhile.
0: And on to today's topic.
2: So, book ideas. Yes. This is
1: uh this is interesting.
2: <laughs> it is and there's so much. I mean, we only like created an entire book about story ideas. So, you know, short book. Yes. Yeah, short it's book. a short True. short quick read. But that's okay. It's still worth a book because a lot of authors do struggle coming up with ideas or sometimes you feel like your idea is just they're not good enough are they good enough you're wondering if it's worth a whole story so that's always a fun topic to explore and to talk about
1: yeah and actually one of the first questions i wrote on my list here that i was thinking that we maybe could start out with and and debate a bit what we think about was and the question goes like this is having a good idea a necessity to write a good book
2: (laughs) ah um it's so funny that you say that, because on Patreon this today, my, I do my Monday posts, and I released um, two sort of reviews of recent movies, and mm-hmm. both are jam-packed full of traditional stereotypical, even, tropes. Right. And the one was a horrible movie, even though it was big-name actors. Um, it's actually called Triple Frontier. It was so terrible typical of a paramilitary movie that i think i said i don't think they even they took the character straight off of military man's shelf and they didn't even (laughs) dust them off (laughs) but the other one it was called vast of night and this is a micro budget debut show about um typical alien idea trope of all the way down to Roswell. They don't actually know make New Mexico. They didn't mention Roswell. I forget the name mm-hmm. of the town, New Mexico aliens, 1950s, but oh my gosh, it was fantastic. It was so fresh. It it made you tingle. I mean, it was just, it was truly riveting, but again, it was such, a, it was almost every classic trope you can think of about a, a alien space UFO movie. So no, I right. don't think you need something that is a hundred percent original. You can take something, you can take Cinderella, and you can turn it into something amazing and special. But obviously, you can also take Southern Cinderella and turn it into something that's been seen a million times before, as these two movies um, totally showed.
1: Yeah, I don't even think I've watched any of those.
2: Yeah. <sighs> I don't recommend Trumple Frontier. Vast of Night, it's on Amazon. It is so worth it. It's wonderful.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't have Amazon Prime. That's too bad. But I need to get that one day. At least, I mean, next year they're going to release the... uh, the new lord of the ring stuff Ooh. i think it's next year on
2: amazon so at that point i have no excuse <laughs> i just have to get it you just have to get it and when you do yeah. go watch fast Night because it is totally worth it especially from a storytelling perspective where you take traditional tropes and you can turn it into something absolutely remarkable
1: yeah i just started watching uh, the last few days i started watching snow on netflix oh
2: really yeah and and
1: that because that is also a good example of it's sort of common common ideas that you've seen before so it's basically Mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic you know you have the classes fighting each other you know the poor versus the rich and they're fighting over resources and food and whatnot but what they just did so they took all the common tropes here Mm -hmm. but then they just created the setting as like a huge train so it's like an arc, basically. Yes. There's a 1,001 carts on the train. And the tail end of the train is like the slump kind of way, right? And the front end is the luxurious first class stuff. <laughs> and then it's quite interesting, actually. It's, it's pre- I haven't watched a lot of it yet, just like, I think, three episodes or something. But it's quite interesting because the premise is... Or the story idea is something you know. It, it's the same thing that you've seen a million times before. But just because they put it in a train, it's like, this it, This is new. It, it feels quite cool. You know, it's not <laughs> something you're used to. And this, tra- this train then just drives around and around and around and around and never stops. Because outside, it's like minus 107 degrees. So if you go out, you're going to die. So it just keeps driving all the time. Never stops. Uh, so that the, um, they can survive, right? Okay. I mean, it's. I quite saw. Interesting.
2: I think it's there's a book. I think it's based on, but there was also a yeah, movie, and I have seen the movie *Snowpiercer*, and I sort of thought this. There was parts of it. I'm like you know, from a practical perspective, how are they feeling this thing? <laughs> but it is definitely, it was different. It, I will say that. And it really, I, it had a place to go, but you're right. It was very typical class warfare, post-apocalyptic survival, you know, elements of the Hunger Games are all in this, but it can be a fresh yeah. take. So I think you're answering, are you answering your own question that, you know, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent of a brand new idea?
1: yeah yeah i guess I, I guess i'm saying that as well but i do think i do think you need a strong idea um you, you, i don't think you can just take whatever thing off the shelf and then it'll make a great story you you have to have a good idea um but the idea i guess what i'm saying is that the idea can be built off of things that we already know i mean every story have already been told you know mm-hmm. I will challenge anybody to come up with a, an idea for a story that has never ever been told before because I don't think it's possible. You'll always be able to find some sort of story that has been told about this particular idea but what I think more it's, it's about is how you bring that idea to life you know mm-hmm. how you tell it because as we've talked about before you know if 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 we write a one sentence premise for a story, which by the way, I'm going to come back to uh, in oh. this episode here about the premise. But if we write a one line um, premise for a story and mm-hmm. you sit down and write it and I sit down and write it and we don't talk to each other in between at all. Those two stories will be completely different, oh, yeah. even though they were still sparked from exactly the same or origin point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I think the idea here is more it's about what you make of, the, it's, it's not about stressing about, I need to get a, like this unique idea that nobody ever thought about before, because it's not going to happen. And I, and I think a lot of authors are stressing themselves about, well, this idea is not original enough. I need to think of something else. And then you keep going around those circles. Right. Instead of just trying to find out how can I build something that is different from what has seen before, but it still incorporates maybe maybe it's just a new version of something you've seen before, and I, I don't think there's anything bad in that. I guess that's what I'm trying to say.
2: No, and I, I totally agree because it's you can take any stereotypical trope, and if you layer on something unique, some aspect that maybe you've come up with, maybe two different tropes that are you know vampires in space, something different uh and really bring it to life with strong characters that feel like they are truly grounded in the world or the setting that you've created like snowpiercer if they believe it a hundred percent and you have these characters that readers want to follow the underlying trope can be you know something post-apocalyptic something spawned by something you know someone you've seen before that part is fine but yeah, it's what you do with it from that point on that really makes it original and fresh, not the trope yeah, that it was just, based on. Yeah, indeed. I mean, t- take the the young
1: orphan trope, you yeah. know, the young orphan who goes off on great adventures and later <laughs> becomes the hero who saves the day. You know, that, that's basically both the premise of Harry Potter, but it's also the premise of Star Wars. And, and those a- are two massively different stories.
2: King Arthur. I mean, do we ever hear about his parents? Is he an orphan? I can't remember anymore. It's been so long. But it's the same <laughs> idea. Know, yeah, it's the same idea that, you know, he, it can be King Arthur, it can be Star Wars, it can be Harry Potter. It's really the story grows from there. And the best ones, are, I think, are based on those characters and adding in those unique settings and twists and plots that are that make the story interesting. Yeah. And
1: I also think when it comes to the idea, that I was thinking earlier today that it also have a lot to do with how enthusiastic you are about it yourself. Mm, very true. Because, I mean, as we've talked about before, right? <laughs> writing a book is a lot of work. It so is. if you don't really <laughs> have a strong drive of motivation that you really want to write this idea, but you sort of, let's say, Let's say you've gone about it the other way around. So basically you've investigated, okay, what are the sort of the most selling tropes within this genre? You mm-hmm. Maybe you've, you've gone through Amazon categories or whatever and checked, what do all these books have in common? And uh-huh. maybe I'll be smart about it and I'll be the marketing guy and I will figure out, okay, if I just write these and these things, then apparently that looks like that's something that the market wants. And quite honestly, you might be lucky doing that. You might you might be able to pick that up and, and actually hit something that the market wants. Right. But the thing is that if the only reason you're doing that is to make some money and you don't really like the idea. I mean, if I could say if we had some sense in us, <laughs> we should probably go and write romance.
2: Yeah.
1: There's a lot more money in romance.
2: There is compared gonna say... to fantasy. It, right now, a Magic Academy. It seems like every cover you know people are looking for. They're looking for a Magic Academy, and it's like, okay, this must be like a really popular genre right now because everyone's like talking about Magical Academy covers. And but I just I thought of sitting down and writing a Magical Academy book. Oh, I just couldn't do it.
1: No, but that's the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, if you if you're not enthusiastic about it yourself. I bet your readers will pick that up too yeah they'll so. they'll pick up that uh, not like they they can't not like they can see it <laughs> on the words themselves or the, in the sentences or the chapters, but they they can feel whether whether or not or at least this is my this is me yeah. saying that they can of course I won't know, but <laughs> I think people people can sense if the author really loves what they did here, what they created versus somebody. I just wrote this because uh, yeah I had to put out another book. Yeah, I think there's a difference there.
2: I think so. And I think even as, you know, maybe I I definitely, I think it's a sophist. I enjoy life. I, I definitely like comfort. Those are my motivators. And the idea of spending, you know, if I don't like it, I'm going to be grinding my teeth to get it done. I'm not going to be looking forward to writing it. And the idea of spending months or a year, if you're thinking of a full series, writing something that I just am not in love with will be hard i mean i've had characters i didn't really like that i i could sit there and twist myself into thinking finally you know i could feel like when i snapped into place and i finally was in their point of view but it took some real effort to really get into this character's head oddly enough it was a politician so i just not political Mm -hmm. in my real (laughs) life that was a very hard i I never want to be an actor i could not fit some characters but it's definitely, and even writing, even if it's something you love and it's a story you love, there's going to be days that you sit down to write going, oh, do I have to do this scene? But that's still the overall novel, the characters you love in some way. But to do it for a book that you're like, I'm just doing this to make money. And I mean, we just talked about that. So you're selling a book for 4 99 that you absolutely thought was torturous to write that just doesn't sound worth it to me. But again, I, I enjoy my comfy couch and my hot tea. So that's what motivates me is the chocolate at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. But I mean, I'm not trying to say either that, you know, you should have an idea that is so you're so enthusiastic about it that every single day when you sit down to write, oh. you're just overly joyed to, oh, that's this is really awesome. this is amazing, you know, because it's not like that either, you know,
2: No, no, writing books all.
1: is also a job. So you will have days where this is not really gelling for me. I I, I don't quite feel it today. And, <laughs> and it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit of a job, you know, I just have to write the chapter today and get it done. And and those days are there and that just, just part of the game and you it have to accept is. that. So yeah. So yeah. don't get me wrong. <laughs>
2: no, no, that, that's yeah. That's what I was trying to say as well is that there are, are going to be days, you if you like the idea that you're not going to want to sit down or it's not going to flow well or whatever, but I I don't know. I think readers possibly can tell and that you're struggling the entire time and you're going to struggle and it's going to go slower. It's just not going to flow as well and you might not have the passion for the characters and so it's just not going to be as good a novel as if you truly are inspired to write it, at least, you know, a majority of the time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair,
1: but maybe we should talk a bit about something that I also, well, I don't know, to be honest, if this <laughs> is authors asking this or if it's oh. more like people who are not authors, but I do hear this question quite a lot Okay. and it is, where do ideas come from? How do you get <laughs> your ideas for your books? I mean, I hear that over and over again, but now that I said it out loud, I'm not entirely sure if it's mostly people who do not write that ask those kind of questions, but I don't know if you have a gut feeling about that.
2: I I've heard it from both, especially new authors or struggling authors, and I have heard it from readers as well saying, "How did you ever come up with that?" So, I've definitely heard it from both sides. So, I think your gut is that's why it's you're not sure who it's from because I think it's from both.
1: From both. Yeah. From both. Okay, fair.
2: Yeah. That uh, is a tough one. Well,
1: <laughs> well yeah, because uh, well, as as you hinted at a bit earlier on, uh, we actually we are about to release a book on uh, story ideas and how to basically develop initial ideas into the premise for a book. And, uh, we will have a link in the show notes for where you can pre-order that book in the show notes. But, uh, hey, I'm just going to tell you a little secret. And that is is if you buy the plotting book, then there will be a link inside that one for where you can download this book idea book on developing story ideas for free. So in two weeks, we're going to talk about the plotting book on the podcast and then we will give you the pre-order link for that one. (laughs) So that's a way where you can get this uh, story idea book for free.
2: Um, We're giving away a free book?
1: Yeah, I don't know. We're stupid. (laughs) but uh, And if you don't want to wait for two weeks uh, for us to talk about that, then, I mean, go to Amazon and search for our names and you will find it quite easily. It's already there. Um, But why I said that was because we actually wrote a short chapter in that book about how to get ideas because, and it was actually, it's a very short chapter. The the whole book is a a very quick quick read. It's not very, it's not a long book. But Mm -hmm. the point is just that even though it's such a short chapter on how do you get ideas it was actually high, quite hard to come up with something concrete for it because i think it's also very very like basic you know it's it's just like we have stuff like okay watch some movies read books <laughs> listen to podcasts go for walks but i think what it all comes down to at the end of it is about being open-minded and observant of what's happening around me because there's a ton of ideas every single day, but you need to sort of open your mind to
2: catch them. Yes. I think that's a very good way of point putting it. And I also think everyone has an entry point to an idea and maybe maybe it's going to be a, a different one for every idea, but some people start with a world idea or uh, the plot idea right. I know my entry point is almost always a character idea. I kind of come up with a character and the character sells me that I've got to find a story for them, or maybe they have one that's tagging along. That's always nice, but definitely everyone's got to find, you got to find what it is that gets you kind of your attention. And sometimes, I mean, some of the things that are in the book, you know, it is being out there and getting sometimes a news story, something you heard in a conversation, and it all comes together. I've jokingly said, you know, if you, especially if you're a character oriented like I am, if I sit down and I look at like this wooden table, my microphone's on, I start wondering about the tree and the wood. And suddenly if you give your tr- the trees outside some personality and what they've been seeing in this world, and, you know, and then I have a kid's story. But, you know. And then you have the ends. I do. <laughs> but it all comes together. For me, it's that you can... If you can put personality into a dust ball, you can probably come up with a story.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, but this is also why I think it's very well, there will be a lot of overlap between different people, but it's also very individual. I mean, for me, it, it's usually scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's how I get ideas. I, I just, it could be that I watch a movie, it could be that I'm reading a book but it could also be something that just sort of comes together in the back of my mind all of a sudden, and then, oh, and then I have to write it down. I always <laughs> have to write them down. And often as well, when I'm either just falling asleep or waking up, it happens often there. Mm. So I have like a small notebook in my uh, night drawer, uh, which I just scribble down scenes when I get an idea because then I won't forget about them later on. Uh, because I really don't prescribe to... I, I have heard those saying that well, don't ever write down ideas because if it's good enough, you will remember it. And I do not believe in that at no. all. I always <laughs> write everything down because there is a lot of good things in that book and uh, in my small small notebook there. And often, because I think in scenes, it'll just be something cool, you know, so something that I think, oh, this is cool. Then I just write it down. It's three lines or something. Um, but then often what happens is that. When I don't need to go into creating a story for it, uh, often I can take several of these different scenes, and and they can all become part of the same story. And then it starts, mm, let's say, merged together, and out of that comes what is the overarching story, really. So, but again, I think it's it's very different from for everybody how they think of ideas and how they come up with them. But I mean, for me, it's it's for for you, autumn, it's characters. For me, it's scenes.
2: Oh, and I, I, But I do agree with you that if I come up with an idea, I write it down. Most of mine are in like an idea Scrivener file or stored on my Dropbox somewhere, but Again, there are some really good ideas, and you just never know how they're going to generate and grow. And sometimes you can incorporate them into a book you're writing, or they'll inspire new things. Sometimes they just need that extra little spark. And I know we're going to get there on the premise, but sometimes, yeah, by gathering up all those ideas, you can crunch them all up into a ball that is just so totally awesome.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. But maybe we should go there now the okay. the story premise that you mentioned, because... This is basically the, the heart of that small book that we wrote there. Yes. It is basically taking you from some initial ideas, however you, you get those ideas, and then develop them into what we call a story premise. And that is also what we have named the foundation of your story. So it's basically like a single core statement that summarizes what this entire story is about.
2: Absolutely. And it's got to be a little more in-depth than good versus evil just to warn people. I mean, you can start there, but you need a little bit more than that.
1: Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to mention because (laughs)
2: uh,
1: I I mentioned Harry Potter before, right? And if the premise for Harry Potter, for example, was a boy discovers his magic abilities, then that would not be much to Mm, go on. It's it's simply not strong enough to carry a story. So... What we do and what we talk about in this uh, idea book here is how you need five different pieces to build your premise. And I think what I could do is that I could just list out every uh, all five of them. Okay. And then maybe uh, maybe they'll be fairly self-explanatory, but maybe you could just add a few words to it and order them afterwards. Absolutely, go for it. So five things: number one, a protagonist; number two a situation, number three, a goal, number four, a villain, and number five, a disaster. That's our formula.
2: That's pretty easy. And it does go, you just kind of combine those into two sentences. But the reason that this works very well is that it gives you, you know who your main character is, which, so you're not floundering around going, who's the story about? And they're in a situation that they need to get out of. And if they don't get out of it, there's going to be a disaster. So you're getting stakes. By knowing your stakes, you know that there's a story. There's something. There's going to be tension. There'll be plotting. So it's good to know your stakes. It also gives you your antagonist, which is wonderful because you know who is going to be confronting your hero, your protagonist. So you want to know that having that right in the front also gives you some ideas to develop to start getting that tension and finding out how can you thwart your hero and of course if it doesn't if the hero doesn't win and the antagonist is the one who comes out on top you have this ultimate disaster that the hero is trying to stop the villains trying to create and again it sets you up for a very dynamic story that builds up to your climax so uh, you know by going by this you have almost three quarters of your book plotted in like a sentence or two, and then you kind of know if you can't fill in those pieces, you know you need to keep working on it. But if you can fill it in, you know you can probably start plotting it.
1: Yeah, and maybe just to serve as an example, I'm thinking that maybe maybe I could I just pull up the premise that we created for our entire series, basically, so maybe... <laughs> Maybe I could just uh, explain that uh, as an example here, so people oh, can understand what we're talking about. So, number one was the protagonist, right? Yeah. But okay, maybe maybe I'll just read out the entire premise that we mm-hmm. wrote, and then we can map it into number two, three, four, five, just okay. so it, it becomes clear. Sure. So it goes like this: a magic user senses his magic is tainted by a dark force, but is also affect his sick love interest. And the hero wants to save this person. However, the ruling dynasty is depending on the dark force and wants to stop him. And if successful, will cause the hero to experience magic becoming chaotic and destructive. (laughs) So that was the premise for not one book, but that's the entire series. Yes. So you have, number one was the protagonist. That's the magic user. We had that up front. Then we had a situation. That was the whole thing about magic getting tainted. Yes. Then we had a goal, and that was the hero wanting to save the love interest. We have a villain, that's the ruling dynasty that is dependent on the dark force and wants to stop the hero. And then we have number five, a disaster, which is basically magic becoming chaotic and destructive.
2: So there you go. And from that, we're not getting just a book we could this is our series theme so we're getting well, how many do we have plotted six nine you six. know we're yeah we're we're, we're we're aiming for six but we also have both said you know that ending huh so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that's the problem of working with authors as i said on my tombstone will be the words to be continued so <laughs> i will never be <laughs> done Yeah. So, But
1: basically, if I break it down one more step, uh, just to make it very concrete, and I I like concrete examples, as you know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so once we have this overarching premise for the entire series, then what we do is that we make a similar, basically the same premise, where we break down this overarching one into, in this case, six books. So we Mm -hmm. create a premise for each of the six books that all basically, what can you say, flows up into this overarching uh, series premise. Uh, But we don't really plot any detail except for the book that we are currently working on. So when we're working on book one, we have the premise for book one and we detail out or plot out all the details related to that. And then for the book two, three, four, five, six, we only have this high level premise. But what it does give us is that we have a clear compass as to where things are heading. And we know where book six is, the premise of book six. We know what it is. We know what's going to happen. We know nothing of the details, nothing about how it's going to happen. But we know where we are heading. And it just makes things so much easier. And of course, you need to think a bit about these premises and make it interesting and make it not something you've seen a million times over before. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand... It is not that hard. I mean, I, I can't remember exactly how long it took us to do the six premises for the six books, but we're probably talking a couple of hours, not nothing more than yeah, that.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was in just one of our normal Monday sessions uh, that we yeah. met and probably talked, talked for them. two
1: hours and then yeah, we were done.
2: Exactly. So it's not that hard. And by not plotting out all the other books, one, we're not wasting time when we could be writing, but that way we don't get too far off track. If we think it's going to go somewhere... And as your story develops, you come up with something really interesting and you want to add that in later, but the book's already plotted. It just becomes such a nightmare. The further out you go, the harder it is to plot something that has yet to be developed in the beginning. So it's better to have that looser framework in the back end and the first book ready to go and then as things happen we take notes and we say okay this is going to happen in book two or remember that this happened in book three so this is going to affect something down there because we have the premises we know sort of where things are going to fit in later and that really helps you know keep things organized and we both happen to like organization and scrivener so we keep our files pretty (laughs) neat and clean
1: yeah yeah but I don't know, sort of an overall conclusion of this episode. Could, can we conclude that getting the perfect story idea is just overrated, Autumn? Do you think that's fair?
2: I think that's fair. I don't think you need a... Well, I want to say the perfect or the most unique. It doesn't have to be something never seen before or something only you've come up with. And you don't have to sit there and rattle and struggle and think about it for hours and hours. You can take a typical trope. You can take a dust ball in the corner. And as long as you... Add something fresh and in in unique. Give us some twists. Make it concrete with characters. It can be a wonderful story. It's how you write it, as long as you write it well.
1: Okay, so next week we will discuss how to plan and write out a series this will also be a very interesting topic to tackle and it's a good add-on to what if we you just like talked If you like what about. you
0: just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the AmWriting Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.